Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. Conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name's Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and today we're talking with Yvonne Carlson. Yvonne joined Global Media Outreach as Chief Technology Officer after serving as Vice President of Product at Unite Life. She's a member of the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers Computer Society and serves in leadership positions in the NRB, Faith Tech, and Missional AI. Joining Ed in this week's conversation is Steele Billings. Steele is a technologist who currently serves Glue's AI in the Church Initiative, which includes a $25 million fund that invests in faith-driven organizations leading research and development around the responsible usage of AI in ministry. Before we talk to Yvonne, I want to remind you, leave us a review if you're enjoying our interviews. Now let's go to Ed Setzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Dean of the Talbot School of Theology. Well, thank you, Daniel Yang, for that introduction. And again, it's a, this is the third in a series. If you're listening to this one, make sure you listen to the other two. I brought on Steel Billings, who's actually been co-hosting for me. Steel's working with Glue with their AI initiative. I'm working with Glue with their AI initiative, too. You can go to glue.us slash AI, all kinds of things, hackathon, research there, uh, more outreach magazine this fall will be an issue devoted to AI. Everybody's talking, all the cool kids are talking about it. Well, not even the cool kids are talking about it, but it's an important topic. And we're trying to figure and talk through um, implications. So if you're listening to the third episode, you know the second episode was we talked about ethical implications. We brought in a scholar from Biola University, Talbot School of Theology, Dr. Guta, is speaking and writing around the world on some of these topics, PhD from Durham, thinking through these ideas, metaphysical ideas. Before that, we had Kenny Jang, who's probably uh, leading groups at the church groups that are most engaged in this. I encourage you to connect with his Facebook group as well. Uh, that's talking about AI in the church. All that you can find at the Glue Hub too. Again, go go to glue.us/ai. We're linking to all that sort of stuff as well. So our guest today, we've already heard a little bit about her as well. But let's just jump right in because I, the question I think people have is how to how to how where do we go from here and what's the next step? So Steele, who's uh, my my co-host filling in, is going to start our conversation with our guest. Steele, over to you. Yeah, uh, super excited to have Yvonne Carlson on with us today. So one, let's just talk for a second around this idea of how artificial intelligence can can help in various ways of life. And, you know, Yvonne specific, specifically will ask you to speak to, you know, how can it help people grow closer to people and God? And, uh, you know, I, I'll start a little bit with just a core belief that we operate under at Glue, which is around this idea of a moral imperative that us as Christians have to pursue technologies and understand God's purposes for them. We One, we believe that God is not surprised by artificial intelligence, that God didn't wake up and see the headlines in, in November that ChatGPT was released and rush out and create an account and test it and see you know all the practical ways that God could start using it to, to orchestrate his will around the world. That's not exactly how things went. Instead, God foresaw it. God maybe even destined it, right? And so the question that we have to pursue, the moral imperative that we have is to understand God's purposes for artificial intelligence. Um, and, you know, really, how is it going to help people grow closer to God? So Yvonne, maybe I'll start with a question um, that is a little bit less sensitive, but can you just speak to some of the more practical things that you're seeing artificial intelligence do to make people's lives easier? Absolutely. So um, I don't think you walk down the street and run into anyone who says, I'm not busy. <laughs> so 
this, these tools that we have available to us now are great for building capacity. It could be something as simple as Grammarly, you know, checking your spelling and punctuation um, on your emails, or um, we use tools every day like Siri. Those AI um, bots that we have in our pockets are helping us with directions, helping us figure out a restaurant to eat at. So really it's ubiquitous. We're even seeing it in our shopping experiences. Now those recommendation engines that you use, AI powers those. Okay, so so then we, we think in terms of like the ubiquitous really now place of AI and all different kinds of kinds of places and spaces. And, and again, it, it feels okay that Netflix is recommending something to us. It feels okay that Siri is recommending something to us. We we did we kind of delved in some of the ethical implications last time. So we don't want to repeat all that, but we want to say that there are some that are there. But so how can AI be used to support relationships? Because one of the things that Dr. Guda talked about and I, and I share concern is that if we end up in it with disembodied relationships, we're not, you know, we've moved away from feet and faces and only to electrons and avatars. There's, there, there's places where relationships can, not that relationships can't form online, they can, but talk to us about how AI could support even the development and growth of relationships to each other and even to the Lord. Well, um, I think right now of Jesus.net, how they have a bot that is used to answer questions. So there, there are humans involved with this experience, but say you have a question about the origin of man or the fall of man or what is sin, you can ask this bot and it'll give you biblical content in return. And the system is smart enough to know, okay, we're getting into deeper waters here. So say you wanna do a gospel presentation. Well, we, we don't want the bot to deliver that content. We want a human so really it's about human amplification. It's using these tools alongside humans in really strategic ways to make sure that people are getting the information they need in a timely basis and accurately. Yeah, and I guess the concern is, uh, you know, let, let's say that when you say using artificial intelligence, people only know a few large language models. So if if you ask some theological questions or questions about biblical views of sexuality, for example, or questions about well, what is the, you know, who is Jesus to, uh, you know, ChatGPT or to Bard, uh, you might get different answers than you'd get. Now, how does Jesus.net, uh, as you said, I think you said Jesus.net, how, do, how, does, um, how does that, how do those answers work differently than the answers in a more secular uh, aggregated language model work? It really um, goes into what are those tools fed? What data is being and you can fed feed, into those? You can feed the tools yes. individually, right? Correct, and that and that's the that's why um, as a Christian technologist, I'm in the space yep. because I want to make sure that the tools being created respect our worldview and have the correct data in order to really interact with people in a in a biblical way and lead people in the right direction. Yeah, me me. Um, me thinking, you know, about these issues, I kind of phrase it as, I mean, if if we do, I, I see a time not far from now, when one ministry will say to another ministries, hey, we've developed this, it's got kind of, it's going to answer the kind of questions that you want to have answered, you can use it on your site, you can use it on your tool. And it's kind of going to create almost like having a volunteer at your church that's available 24 seven, that's going to mm -hmm. answer questions that again, eventually, you're going to want to connect with somebody in person. Uh, and again, it's, we already see this. I, I was having a problem with Adobe and, and, um, 
and I ended up in one of their chat systems and it was really good. It was really, it was able to answer all my questions, ask me a couple of clarifying questions. I mean, I knew it wasn't a real person, uh, but it really answered my questions well. And I actually didn't need to get to a real person. Um, and since a lot of people are searching for truths, you can share truths in those way. The challenge is, is those truths aren't always in the boxes of other large language models as well. So now, now, of course, in your world, you know, your, your chief technology officer, what, how are you using that in your world? So I'm using it for my engineering team. So mm -hmm. when we're working on software, we might go into ChatGPT and get ideas on how we would write that code. So for us, it's a research tool. Or maybe we're working um, in a different technology stack that we don't work in often. Um, I can easily get research or real credible information that will point me in the right direction because most organizations don't have just, you know, one set of tools they're supporting. I have dozens. Right. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, like global media outreach, I, I did a, uh, I did an event for global media outreach for some with donors to kind of encourage people. And it's really, I think it was before you were, you were with the team. Um, it's really like pretty remarkable, all the engagement that's going on. It's already very technological driven. And then to enhance with some tools that enables us to get there really seems to make a, a difference. Um, okay, so we, and, and I, I, I'm asking too many questions. I need to let Steele jump in as well. Let me ask one more. Um, so global media outreach certainly makes sense that you're gonna do that because it's global, it's media, you know, it's outreach conversations. People should just, you know, you should go to the Global Media Outreach website, globalmediaoutreach.com, and it's kind of fun just to watch little dots and they explain what that means. Um, so a lot of technology that's there. So, but kind of think in terms of, I'm a local church pastor. Um, what are some ways that I could use AI to, as if I said earlier, to basically have a 24-7 volunteer that's helping accomplish godly things? Is there such a way for local church pastors? Absolutely, because one of the other things we use AI for at GMO is content creation. Again, research. So how many pastors do you know have a blog? Or maybe they have a few paragraphs in the bulletin every Sunday, you know, that sort of pastor's corner. Again, they're busy. So using tools like ChatGPT will allow them to create content quickly. You could also um, generate frequently asked questions to be placed on your website, you know, you can think about it, you know, what are the calls that you get at your church? Well, let's put a resource online. You could even go into the realm of an AI chatbot. This is really common in shopping experiences where you you just mentioned it earlier, Ed, with Adobe, um, again, answering really simple questions like, when are your service times? Do you have um, any women's ministry events? All of those things can actually be set up relatively easily with today's tools. Ivana, I think it's, so we we ran into each other at Missional AI, who I know is an organization, a lot of the church leaders maybe listening to this aren't familiar with an organization called Missional AI, but it's a collection of engineers and, and high tech experts from around the world, literally around the world. There was a very large global audience there. It was down in Orlando this past year. Your example that you just explained where you're using artificial intelligence in your engineering teams is in itself an example of how artificial intelligence is being put to use for things like evangelism. If you go to globalmediaoutreach.com, 
and you learn about all the things that you guys are doing, you're right in the center of global evangelism and out. I mean, it's in your name, right? So you guys using artificial intelligence is in itself a really powerful example. What are some of the things that artificial intelligence is actually helping your team be more efficient at? Or can you, can you go deeper into that? What are you guys doing with it? Sure. So we do digital advertising. So we're actually using uh, ChatGPT to do our forecasting for our ad spends. One of the things uh, ChatGPT does really well is takes large amount of data, a large amount of data, and it analyzes it. So we had to we have to lay out our budgets, and we're on multiple channels in multiple countries. So it's very complex. So that's one way that we used uh, the tool. We're using it for uh, story generation when we think about digital ad campaigns. Um, you know, there's that idea that every good campaign hangs on. Then this is the creative process we're talking about, which could be applied to sermons too. You know, like what's that catchy title for that blog, or you know, what's the best script for that blog? Uh, excuse me, video presentation of the gospel. All of those things can be easily surfaced using these AI tools. And what that allows the creator to do is focus on the refinement, right? Because you've got some meat on the bone and now I'm just going in deeply and looking at this from a biblical and theological perspective. Yeah, so you're doing, I mean, again, we talked about this ethically a lot the last two episodes and and we're assuming you listen to those when you're listening to this because, you know, we talked about the dangers of plagiarism. We talked about the dangers of not doing your own work. Um, but I can give you, you talked about titles. I mean, I literally put in ChatGPT, you know, here's my message, uh, or like a shorter version of it. What's some good titles? What's some good memorable titles? You can actually say, you say, here was something else, make those more memorable. Uh, you know, make those more uh, search engine optimized, right? SEO friendly. And it will, it will do those things and you can then decide what you wanna do. Now, one of the things I found with some of these large language models is, is basically you're talking to a five-year-old who knows like everything. But you gotta, you know, there's that, that, that old meme from the office, explain it to me like I'm five. So I want you to think you have to explain it to chat GPT, the one I primarily use, Bard, like it's five. But then if you explain it well and put the parameters on it, and you can go back and say, well, do it this way instead, you can actually get there. So that relates to some of the kind of the ministry use, but, and it makes people better for their jobs. But, but unpack that a little more. You've talked about how AI makes people better at their jobs, makes them, you know, steward time. You started by giving the time example. Um, what could that look like if I'm a uh, youth pastor, worship leader, wherever you want to go, if I'm, because our audience is mainly pastors and church leaders, uh, how would I be using this every day? Just keep packing, packing, unpacking some other ways. Oh, event planning. You can ask for an event plan, you know, outline for me the steps that I need to take to have a movie night for my families in my church. And then again, like you said, once you feed it some additional parameters, it will write your plan for you. And once it's written your plan, you can go back to to um, the tool and say, now write me a blog post. Now write me some social media copy. Um, I spoke recently um, at, a, at a conference and I was able to, in five minutes, create a script, create a video, and then create social media posts for a an imaginary campaign. Five minutes. Yeah. So I actually, um, I actually use it. You mentioned social media posts. So I actually now I'll take 
my article. One of them doesn't let you use a link, so I have to cut and paste the article, and the other one lets you use a link. And I would say, create three social media posts from this article, and boom, it does right there. Actually, I typically say create six, and then there's three that I'm interested in doing. And also, because it's drawing from my content, you know, I also, it gives me the ability to kind of be careful about what that content ultimately is. So, okay, so I want to ask Steele, because remember, Steele's working with us in this partnership with Glue. I'll remind people, go to glue.us slash AI for more information. So, um, Steele, talk to us a little bit about prompts, because, I mean, that's really an s- essential thing about prompts. So, what what makes a prompt go well? And then I'm going to come back and ask Monica comment on that as well. Yeah, so, you, you know, think about a prompt sort of like, a, a, a question that you would ask to Google, right? If you go to google.com and you type in a, a search term or a question, um, it, it's these, these AI tools are working somewhat similarly today. Um, one, let's just talk about the, the basics. If you're listening today and you've never used ChatGPT, you don't know what it is, um, you might try to go to chatgpt.com or something like that. That's not exactly how you would find it. Um, you would find ChatGPT at chat.openai.com. So if you've never used it before, that's how you get in. You set up an account um, and you can start using the, you can start prompting it by giving it various things, asking it to do things. An example of a prompt, of a good prompt, would be that you can actually tell it to pretend to be uh, a persona or pretend to, to be this person with this level of knowledge, pretend to be a person who really understands Christianity. And so therefore I wanna have a, a debate with you about a very specific thing. And it will actually pretend to be that that individual, right? And it will respond to you as if an individual with that level of intellect would respond. So for example, evangelistically, think about it from, uh, you know, how would we train our people to go out and share the gospel with individuals? Pretend to be someone who does not know Jesus as their savior and maybe is even skeptical about the whole idea of Christianity or religion. And you ask it things like, hey, what do you know about Jesus? Or you ask the age old question. My pastor growing up was Dr. Adrian Rogers. And I remember sitting and listening to Dr. Adrian Rogers ask the the, the golden question, which is, if you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Um, and so ask ChatGPT that after you have told it to pretend to be somebody who is a little bit skeptical of Christianity or doesn't know Jesus. That's an example of how you could use these prompts. Right. And I would, let me give an example too, and then we're going to go on. So I just while we're talking, I typed in pretend you are Ed Stetzer to chat GPT. It says, hello, I'm Ed Stetzer. It's great to be here. Engage conversation. Any question you may have. And I'm a Christian author, speaker, researcher, pastor, whatever. Uh, please feel free to ask me anything. So it's now me, and I'll do my best to provide thoughtful and informed responses. And so I asked chat GPT, pretending to be me, what does the church need to do today? Now, now it's gonna, you know, I've got enough on the internet. And, and so it's gonna say, it actually lists 10 things. Embrace cultural engagement. Of course, Ed Stetzer would say that. Prioritize discipleship, yes. Foster unity and love in a polarized world. I literally just wrote a book, Christians in the Age of Outrage. Address social issues, I, I, poverty, injustice, human rights. Embrace technology innovation. We're talking about this here. Maintain sound theology. You've been around Ed Stetzer, that's a key thing. I won't go through them all. It ends with engaging global missions. And I got to tell you, I think the prompts are a key part of large language models working well, because you might get a very different answer. But let's say you want to say, combine Steele's idea with mine. So you might want to say, pretend you're agnostic. What would be the big questions that you would have if I was preaching a sermon on so-and-so? And then you can actually say, I want to make sure I address those things 
as well. Okay, but we're getting examples of bouncing around. We're all friends here. Uh, come back to us. And are there stories or examples of how AI has actually impacted somebody, helped influence them to draw them closer to God? Tell us about it. So one area that people may not realize that is heavily impacted by AI is Bible translation. So if you think about the languages, low resource languages specifically is uh, the term, these languages don't have a written form. So using AI tools, they can record audio from native speakers and come up with alphabets. And that's obviously the beginning of the process. So we're seeing the 1040 window close because of what's happening with AI in Bible translation. Just for a little context, 1040 window is a missiological term of a group of people in a certain latitude that are particularly unreached and engaged. Go ahead. And that's really exciting to me because when we think about fulfilling the Great Commission, how do we really do that? One of the key ways is to have a Bible in their heart language. Yeah, so um, we, we did some research, and this the research should be, if you go to glue.us slash AI, you can find the, the research. It's a snowball survey, so a snowball sampling uh, on these issues now. So that, and snowball sampling with the methodology, you tend to attract people who are more interested in the topic, but the, the size gives you more opportunity to kind of parse the numbers. And um, one of the questions we ask people who might be naturally inclined to engage AI, if you've used AI in your work, how valuable have you found AI as a tool? And what's fascinating is people who are answering surveys on AI, that the most common answer uh, in the 40s was, was, uh, was actually, I don't, I have not used AI in my work. Uh, and then, you know, the second most common answer was somewhat valuable, uh, you know, quarter to or third or so, um, somewhat valuable. And then you've got some people, I think these early adopter types who are saying, you know, very valuable. And I think I think we're seeing more and more of that, but it's not it's not up to one in five, uh, but you know you're you know one in six. But it's interesting that those who are engaging the tool, and let me just say I'm one of them, and I'm finding it very valuable. And that's one of the reasons I'm kind of partnering now with this Glue initiative uh, around AI and the church. I think it's essential for us to get there. Um, all right. So so that being said, right? So your your CTO, chief technology officer, uh, and and by the way. We've known each other for a long time in a lot of different venues and lives. So it's good to see you in this one. And, you're, and I love that you're thriving there. Um, what are some guidelines you'd offer ministry leaders? And then Steele, just kind of interact a little bit with Yvonne and kind of let's walk through some of those guidelines, what they might look like. You know, it, this reminds me of when I was working in digital church planting and people would ask me, you know, what, what kind of conversation should I have with my elders, you know, about this technology, right? So this isn't the first time we've been here, right? New technology, how do we handle it? I would say, um, first of all, whatever your governing body is, make sure that they know your intention. I really would like to move towards using artificial intelligence in these ways. And typically you're trying to solve a problem or meet a need, right? So. There are lots of different things we could pick here. I would say um, church attendance, right? Say we want to bolster church attendance. I'd like to use AI to generate my social media posts. Those are the sorts of conversations that I think people need to have. It's pick something simple that they can test with, you know, because they can do a proof of concept, get their feet wet, especially if they have, haven't used these tools before, and then think, broader. Make sure the right people are in the room. If you have someone in your church 
who has this background, technology, AI, or are very um, connected to this world, bring them into the conversation. Ask them, you know, we want to do this. How would we solution that? What would that look like? You'd be amazed who sits in your church pews. That's all I can say. So um, it is interesting. I mean, even your answer, I think there are real concerns about AI being misused and uh, running amok, we might say. I'm not so much concerned that pastors and church leaders are going to be the cause or really be able to make much of a difference about that. For me, I'm concerned for them that they, I, I really like to, that's why we're doing this initiative. I really like this to be a better stewardship of time. That's where you started part of our conversation was everyone's short on time uh, to make them better at what they do. And there's multiple ways to do that. We've kind of unpacked some of those. It'll be more at glue.us slash AI. Um, so, and we talked some about the ethical use of pastors and church leaders in that space, which, you know, the, you know, the plagiarism machine that is, that is uh, uh, many of these large language models as well. Okay, so that, so that being said, so um, how would you encourage pastors and church leaders to just try, to try something new or some ways they can i mean i know they're already they don't you know, necessarily know that that you know their netflix selections are, are really are, are generated so but if i'm going to start to do this to be a more effective pastor and church leader it may not be writing code like you're talking about my it almost certainly wouldn't be but i love that you're doing that but what would you say is a good next step for i'm a pastor church leader i want to step my toe in um we've given some examples what what, what might you say i would say do the thing that you do regularly first Try that first using a new tool. So if it's sermon preparation, go to ChatGPT. And like you said, Ed, feed in some of your notes and say, create a sermon outline based on these notes. And just interact with the tool to see what it does for you. I guarantee you what it will do is it'll help you think. Your outline that you that you have that may be really, really good once you feed it into ChatGPT, it may give you a phrase that you weren't thinking of that gives you the exact right words to communicate more effectively. And that's that's one of the reasons I really love the tool. Um, because, you know, as communicators, we have our patterns, right? And we get in front of people and we think the phrases that we're using are the best possibilities, but there may be something better. So don't go outside of yourself and try something you've never done before. Do something you already know. It'll make it much easier to experiment. Well, you know, Ed, one of the things that I would say to that is some of the skepticism that I've heard is that, you know, people are going to be using AI to write sermons for them. And um, and that obviously can lead to some really dangerous areas. Which, which for the record, you can. I mean, you it's can. a press of a button. Yeah, and, and and again, I, I think you're you basically then become an actor voicing the words of a computer with enthusiasm. And if you're a good actor, but anyway, that's another story for another way. We're calling people to engage yeah. the text and to prepare well. Good. That's right. Well, and if you're if you're the church in Germany, then you n don't just have it write it for you. You actually have it generate a yeah. fake face, something called a deep fake. Uh, there was actually just a congressional hearing where it was addressing this con this concept of deep fakes, which is a really dangerous concept around artificial Ooh. intelligence, that it will pretend to be somebody else. And, and it can take your audio files and it can actually create, you know, audio files that sound just like you saying things that you've never said before. And so that's a real concern. But uh, the church in Germany obviously went to the extreme with that and had it write a sermon, had it deliver a sermon, and it packed the house, by the way. and Yeah, and but it packed the house because it was fascinating. So I don't think, I don't think, but yeah. But it's still, fat, fat, I would have gone to the church service just to see it, 
but then I would deeply oppose the idea. <laughs> but anyway, keep going. Right, right, right. You know, one of the things that we're seeing uh, the, the survey again, just to, to mention yeah. it, because it's so it's so fascinating to see how ministry leaders are responding to AI right now. What do they think about it? And we'll see how that shifts over time. But um, what we're not seeing is a major shift in openness and to embracing AI uh, generationally. There's not a significant shift. Uh, overwhelming by, by generation, right? By generation, right? Right. So about sixty percent of people, if you look at no filters, sixty percent of pastors say, "I believe the church should embrace AI to some degree," right? Whether it's completely enthusiastically or you know somewhat passively, but positively, sixty um, percent or so believe that it should be embraced. And um, if you look at that by job role, though, this is the important part. If you if you start to slice that by job role, if you are a media pastor or you are in the communications field inside of a church, it actually increases somewhat dramatically. Right. And so it, 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 it varies by function. And one of the things that we're seeing, we're seeing a whole lot of really cool technologies being formed around um, aiming at serving the church leader. One of them is sermons.tech. Uh, they're friends of ours, and sermons.tech is not to write a sermon. It takes your existing sermons, and it builds a lot of material around it so that you can start to engage people outside of just the delivery of that single sermon or that single piece of content, and it turns it into discussion questions and also all sorts of other things. And there's other technologies like that that we're, we're aware of, too, that are just doing really cool things with artificial intelligence. So just from a perspective out of you know encouraging pastors to try some things, try some of those tools, maybe starting with some of the tools that are aimed directly at church leaders. Okay. Last words from, uh, from our friend Yvonne. Um, what would you encourage pastors and church leaders? You kind of talked about starting with what you already know, kind of using some of the resources that are there. Uh, are there places and spaces where you think they could take to step two? Let's get into the beginning. Now it's the step two. After you've kind of run some of those things, challenge them a little bit more, and then we'll wrap. Sure. So a lot of pastors have some sort of media ministry. We talked about that. I would use a tool like Descript. I would take my um, sermon, I would cut it into podcasts, and I would feed that that text into Descript and create podcasts. Bingo! You just you ha you now have a podcast, which is more consumable than long um, format content. I mean, truth. I mean, if you think about the fact that people are listening to you standing in a line at Starbucks. That's what you want. We we unfortunately live in a soundbite world. Give them the sound bites and point them to the longer sermon. Well, good. A fascinating and helpful conversation today. Thank you, Von Carlson, Global Media Outreach, doing great work. Also, she did a presentation at National Ridges Broadcasters, very well received. She's going to share that in the show notes as well. So wherever you're listening, make sure you go to the show notes that are there. We've also got links to the data from the research project that Glue's been doing, the uh, snowball survey that I mentioned, and other resources that uh, that Steele will share. And again, as always, go to glue.com us slash ai and we'll post those things there as well so that'd be a good one-stop shop for you anyway but good again thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the stetzer church leaders podcast you've been listening to yvonne carlson you can learn more about her at globalmediaoutreach.com thanks again for listening to the stetzer church leaders podcast you can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast and again if you found our conversation today helpful I'd love for you to take a few moments leave us a review that'll help other ministry leaders find and benefit from our content thanks again for listening we'll see you in the next episode you've been listening to the stetzer church leaders podcast for more great interviews as well as articles videos and free resources visit our website at churchleaders.com thanks for listening you